This podcast represents my opinion and the opinion of my guests. This is not medical advice, and I am not establishing a patient-physician relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only. And because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions you may have. Welcome back, everyone. We're here for another episode of the Not Your Doc podcast. I'm your host, Vanessa. We're here today with Mr. Not Your Doc himself, Dr. Charles Tadros. Hey. Hey, Vanessa. Hello, Hi, Dr. Seth. Tadros. Hello. Oh, am I supposed to talk? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. you're loud. I, I, yeah, I'm a little loud. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, didn't, I, I was so concerned with your mics, I forgot oh, about that's mine. Nice of you to think I don't have anything to say, really. Well, you're, the, you're the subject matter We're expert. Welcome anyway. Well, yeah. thank you. That's our producer, Seth, from Benton Park Media. We're happy to be with him, as always. Um, We are on episode six of this second season of the Not Your Doc podcast. Mm -hmm. It's pretty exciting that we've come this far. Yeah. Um, Today's topic, I think, is a good one. It's another condition that um, is, you know, certainly relevant today, being talked more about. Our last couple of episodes have been kind of about chronic conditions that, um, you know, take up a lot of time, resources, energy in the healthcare system to get treated, stomach issues, back pain. Um, And so we're going to go with another pain disorder today uh, called fibromyalgia. Um, And so fibromyalgia is characterized by widespread pain, fatigue, and cognitive issues. And it often overlaps with other physical and mental health issues. Um, similar to IBS, it's kind of a constellation of symptoms that can be, uh, you know, confused with other things. Mm-hmm. Um, and the true diagnosis of fibromyalgia is arrived at by sort of eliminating all of these other possibilities and then arriving at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so interestingly, fibromyalgia is not an autoimmune or inflammatory disease. And so it's unique from other conditions that cause widespread musculoskeletal pain like lupus or arthritis that we've heard of. Mm-hmm. So um, this is going to be a really interesting one today. I'm looking forward to hearing Dr. Tadros talk about it. Um, I'm going to start with, you know, as we like to, with just a little bit of context about the problem, the epidemiology, if you would like, about fibromyalgia, how many people it affects, what kinds of people. So um, the, my source for these next few facts here comes from a 2022 literature review in the National Institutes of Health. Um, a literature review, by the way, is just a, a survey, a wide overview of lots of different resources and studies, writ, a body of work, um, and then that's published in a scholarly journal. So that's it's right. kind of an, an overview, it kind of aggregates a bunch of information together. So. Fibromyalgia affects about 6.4% of the adult population in the United States. Um, And while there's not really an exact number of people uh, known to have fibromyalgia, uh, the rate for adolescents, according to many studies, seems to be about there as well, Mm 6.4%. Interestingly, it seems to affect women more than men, similar to IBS. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Fibromyalgia is found to be the cause of widespread generalized body pain in most women between the ages of 20 to 55. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of excluding other other reasons, it's typically fibromyalgia for that widespread chronic pain for, the, for women in that age group. Also, uh, fibromyalgia is typically triggered by some sort of medical or psychological event. Dr. Tadros is going to talk more about that. And then finally, among patients referred to a pain management specialist, 40% met the criteria for fibromyalgia. So this is really impacting a lot of people, accounting for a lot of doctor's visits, um, and of course costing a lot in resources, both direct and indirect costs associated with missing work, paying for doctor's visits, paying for treatments, and of course just a lower quality of life and productivity for people that struggle with it. So... um, Dr. Tadros, we're talking about a condition that affects many people o- across a wide range of ages. Can you start by helping us understand why it seems like we're hearing more about fibromyalgia recently? Well, thanks, thanks for uh, bringing this uh, topic up. Wait a minute, I'm the one that Wait, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm the one on that uh, asked you to bring it up. No, thank you. You know, um, 
it, it wasn't until much later that I recognized that my mother had uh, fibromyalgia and because it tends to run in families, I have it too. Ah. So it's, it's very personal. Um, uh, we, so fibromyalgia, we can come back and talk about how we got to this, uh, this name. But fibromyalgia uh, or fibromyalgia syndrome, FMS, mm-hmm. um, um, is a pain syndrome uh, that's more neurologic, even though it seems to be in your muscles, and it feels like maybe the tendons that uh, hold the muscles to the bone mm-hmm. uh, seems to be uh, uh, tender. What we call uh, tender points. Um, uh, what happens is that this is a chronic pain syndrome, and whenever we do biopsies of muscles and skin and tendons, there's no destruction, mm-hmm. and it's not. It doesn't cause pain in joints. I don't know. Some people think everything hurts, so uh, pain in joints. It's not really a joint pain problem. So it turns out that's really a chronic it's a primary it means it, we don't know uh, the actual cause but it's a primary pain syndrome primary chronic pain syndrome and it seems to be part of the central nervous system uh, mm. that's where all pain eventually uh, has to be uh, has to go to be interpreted your spinal cord eventually up to your brain for you to feel it mm-hmm. uh, but we've we've certainly had it for 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 many years it's only by about 1990 that that uh, the uh, uh, the American Rheumatologic uh, Association um, uh, came out and made criteria for it. Back then, it was tender points and some other things. We've taken away the tender points as a criteria. Sure, but the number of tender points. That's right. right? Yeah, okay. that's right. Uh-huh. And the word tender and trigger are two uh, points are two different things, sure. and we'll come back to that. But really, it's, it turns out that we probably had it for a long, very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've just been able to, because you're right, it's a syndrome, because it's a collection of symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and there's no test, there's no blood test, there's no brain test that, that, that perfectly defines it. Um, some people came out a few years ago and, 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 and showed a, uh, a vibrational spectroscopy of blood, uh, blood tests, and they, and they showed that they can uh, differentiate these fibromyalgia patients from rheumatoid arthritis patients and right. lupus patients. But, so there is some research out there that's trying to find a simple blood test that you can help uh, catch these people sooner. Sure. But it's probably been around for a long time. We just finally put it together and put it under a criteria and under the, the, the rheumatologist, essentially. Um, but these people end up seeing a lot of different specialists. And uh, so we'll talk more about that too. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about, I know you said it was, we think it's a, a neurological issue, maybe a pain regulation disorder. That's right. It is. Can you say more about how it's that's distinct from something like autoimmune, like lupus sure. or rheumatological, like arthritis? Yeah. Um, when we talk about, um, well, whenever my mother or I have arthritis or somebody says they had, they trashed their knee playing football in high school or they were a gymnast and they have arthritis many years later, that's osteoarthritis, a degenerative arthritis. It's a wear and tear arthritis. It's not an inflammation mm. that destroys. It's not your, your white cells and your antibodies are not going in and destroying a joint. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so the, the, the joint destruction uh, arthritis or arth- arthritis, the joint destruction ones include the ones that you already know. These are inflammatory arthritis. Uh, these are rheumatoid arthritis and psoriatic arthritis and uh, lupus mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, multiple other ones. Uh, uh, so mixed connective tissue disease. There's a bunch of other ones that cause destruction of joints. Okay. Um, uh, but the general arthritis most of us get, our knees, our hips, um, and our hands typically, often these are osteoarthritis. You'll have a grandmother or somebody who has very severely deformed hands, mm-hmm. and sometimes those are osteoarthritis, but sometimes they're rheumatoid, and rheumatoid sure. is that inflammatory class of arthritis. Well, fibromyalgia doesn't seem to be degenerative. It doesn't seem to be like osteoarthritis. It doesn't seem to be inflammatory like uh, lupus and, 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 and Sjogren's and, and, um, and rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. So it's its own class, and because we feel it in our, in our musculoskeletal area, uh, we, 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 were, we went looking. People thought, well, surely well, there's some sort of destruction some sort of inflammation, but they biopsy and they just don't find anything. So it seems to be the interpretation, uh, your body's interpretation of of of, of pain uh, uh, without any obvious cause for the pain. Hmm. Uh, but like you mentioned, there may be triggers that cause people to slip into fibromyalgia. There seems to be genetic tendency, like it runs in my family. Hmm. But also some of these people who are, who are under a lot of stress, who are, under, who are having depression, had some sort of trauma, physical trauma, like car accident or emotional trauma, abuse and stuff like that. Um, there's a ton of associations with with with, with fibromyalgia. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. It's interesting um, I, I how 
fibromyalgia is so distinct from these other things. I think logically as like a non-medical, just lay person, Mm -hmm. I think if something hurts, there must be a visible cause for what, for what's causing the pain. Right. So as you're describing, you know, osteoarthritis and rheumatoid, it's, degeneration breakdown of, of the tissues and the, right. the ligaments the things that lubricate those joints mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that is causing that pain whereas fibromyalgia we think is more about the pain signals that the brain is getting is misinterpreting yes right, that's it's correct misinterpreting so the pain is very real oh, it's yeah. very much felt it's oh, yeah. very much it's very disabled embodied mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't have a, a physical source in a degenerating bone or muscle or tissue group. Or That's nerve, or ner- yeah. even degenerating nerve issue. That's correct. Like ner- ner- neuropathies. Some of my, our patients come to us saying, I have a neuropathic pain. And, and, it, uh, and we typically think of neuropathic like a peripheral nerve, like a diabetes that uh-huh. affects the nerves to your feet. Um, or after shingles, um, uh, the virus comes out through the nerve and destroys the nerve, post-herpetic neuralgia. But yeah, these, these peripheral nerves don't seem to be affected. We we believe it starts potentially in the spinal cord um, and some of the support cells, the, the 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 glial cells that may be supporting the nerves that may be cause that may be involved in some of this um, misdirected uh, pain signaling, um, this persistent pain signaling when there's no obvious injury, no obvious harm. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, we think of pain, especially acute pain, as warning you to stop. Yeah. You know, if your hand, your twist, you wrenched your ankle, you burned your hand. You, you know, there's, a, there's immediate pain to pull back and stop, to hobble sure. and to sit down, to pull back your hand and not put, put your hand out where the flames are again. So it's very protective. But th- this there's nothing that was obviously uh, 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 physical that uh, some people had a virus and some people were, you know, were abused physically. There's no doubt there's some 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 things are physical, uh, physical types of traumas. But the the pain signal and the, and the perception of pain, that what we call central sensitization mm. of pain, persists for years after a potential uh, minor or practically no insults to your body. Yeah, that's interesting. How it um, with fibromyalgia, it's almost like you know, like you're saying, typical pain is is protective. It's a protective instinct to get to stop something that's that's damaging. Absolutely. So we typically trust that response in ourselves right. and, and think it's working that way. Um, so I'm just I'm drawing a parallel to you know m- mental health issues where mm-hmm. um, some we use our emotions a lot of time or our instinctual and vis- visceral responses to guide us for some useful thing. Right. Um, and sometimes. The, those you know those pathways those messaging pathways get messed up and we can't trust them all the time that's correct so it works with pain as well as with mood that's very interesting and this is especially brutal because the more you try to do and the more you try to be active the worse your pain gets yeah so it kind of punishes you for trying to do the right thing uh, which is which is uh, uh, at least initially and which is very frustrating it's just very disabling it puts marriages at risk it puts people that probably uh, 25% of these patients that are uh, have chronic fibromyalgia. Oftentimes they have a bunch of other things going on also, but they're mm-hmm. uh, 25% of them may be disabled, literally wow. social security, social security disability. So it's, 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 it costs a lot. It hurts a lot. It affects your mood. It affects your sleep. It affects so much uh, stuff, your ability to make money, your ability to help out with your family. Yeah. Yeah. Huge quality of life impacts. Yeah. Can you say a little bit more about what fibromyalgia pain feels like? Sure. Yeah, I could experience, uh, you know, it's, so I, 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 we describe it and it's in my blog also. Uh, there are a couple of ways people describe it. <clears throat> and, and sometimes it sneaks up on you slowly. It starts in one part of the body and then spreads. So the, let's define it. it it's, it's a generalized, it's a generalized pain. It's a diffuse pain. It's not just in an elbow or a shoulder. It may start like that, but it's, uh, it becomes diffuse. It means all over your body. It tends to be symmetric. The, you know, your shoulders hurt and they ache or mm. your, or your th- thighs mm-hmm. or your calves. And, and so it's symmetric above the waist and below the waist and on the right side of the body, left side of the body tends to be symmetric. Um, uh, and it's a diffuse all over pain, like I said, of the muscles, uh, tender points. Um, and um, um, so that's kind of how we start. Typically, you have to have the pain probably pretty much every day um, uh, for at least three months. Sure. So pretty much every day, uh, a good chunk of every day for three months. Um, uh, and it tends to be associated with other things that tend to be other qualifying factors. Um, it tends to uh, cause fatigue so mm-hmm. that you have, uh, you wake up, you're already tired. Right. That's probably related to, in part to 
non-restorative sleep, so you have disturbed sleep, um, you have a hard time dropping off to sleep, you pop awake throughout the night. By the way, that's what we see also with anxious and depressed people. Mm-hmm. Anxious people tend to have a hard time dropping off. Depressed people can be popping awake throughout the night or wake up too early in the morning and can't get back to sleep. So this is going to overlap with a ton of other chronic diseases, and that's um, that's, an interest, that's an interesting piece of it because it's neurologic, essentially, this problem. Sure. Uh, these people oftentimes have associated irritable bowel, spastic colon. We just did a talk about that. Uh, so uh, these people can have dysmenorrhea, painful men- uh, menstrual periods. They can have dyspareunia, painful uh, uh, pelvic pain with sex. These people can have jaw pains, t- uh, like you see with TMJ, temporal mandibular joint syndrome. Uh, these people can have headaches, both muscle tension headaches and migraines. Um, these people can have all sorts of other things, light sensitivity, smell sensitivity. Um, uh, the uh, um, so it, uh, it, and like I said, I mentioned before, whenever these people try to exercise, weight lift, run, swim, um, it hurts. And in fact, if they can do it for a certain amount of time, they feel, they feel like they can't go back and do it the next day. They can't, yeah. they can't keep working out. Uh, their pain tends to go super, super bad. Um, so no, there's once again, like we mentioned, there are no fevers, no chills, no joint swellings, no rashes, no blood tests that are that are abnormal, no CAT scans, no X-rays that are abnormal. If you do find a CAT scan or X-ray that's abnormal, oftentimes it's a red herring. It's mm-hmm. like I X-ray, we X-ray your top of your shoulders have been achy. We X-ray your neck and your shoulders, and we see arthritis. That's not the cause of your achiness. Mm-hmm. It just happens to be there, sure. osteoarthritis or other old injuries on top on, yeah. on top of your fibromyalgia. Not it's not the cause for your fibromyalgia. Yeah. So uh, the other thing which I had to figure uh, had to read about, but some of these people have something called interstitial cystitis, uh, mm. uh, which is uh, a bladder, your urinary bladder, <laughs> and your pelvis. Uh, some of these people feel like the urge or the burning whenever you pee, or the frequency you have to keep going back. You f- empty your bladder, you get up, and you, you just walk away, and you feel like you have to go right back, or a few minutes you have to go back. And these people, if you check their urine analysis, oftentimes it's very normal or nearly normal. You have a scope, a cystoscope up to look in your bladder, and oftentimes it doesn't look very, uh, you don't see much, or there may be a little bit of inflammation. You biopsy, there may be a little, a little inflammation or nothing. These people are also uh, at risk for having co- uh, 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 concurring uh, uh, fibromyalgia. That's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's called, it's almost like these the the volume on those pain receptors is t- is Absolutely. turned up really high, correct? That's right. Yeah, it's either the volume on the pain receptors or their interpretation in the mm. spinal cord in the brain. That's that's correct. You are correct. Yeah. So uh, who who does this affect? It de- it definitely seems like it affects more women than men. It are does. there any theories on why that is? Well, it's uh, we don't know. Uh, unfortunately, women. Uh, uh, get to bear children, and unfortunately, they get all this extra stuff that yes. men typically don't have to put up with. Right. So, unfortunately, women tend, tend to have more problems with migraine headaches, uh, more problems with interstitial cystitis of the, uh, the urinary bladder. They have, of course, dis- uh, pain with uh, pain with sex and and painful menstrual periods, and etc. So, uh, and they have more autoimmune diseases, more lupus, more Sjogren's, more scleroderma, mm-hmm. uh, more rheumatoid arthritis. Uh, so, these uh, these. These women, God, God bless them, because they put up a, a ton. Uh, whenever they, whenever it rains, it pours. And um, is so. there any thought that the kind of the the f- frequent hormone fluctuations that we go mm-hmm. through our lives has yeah. anything to do with that? Certainly, we, well, we certainly see that with with uh, uh, with everything from. Uh, uh, with everything from fatigue to depression mm-hmm. that swings with PMS and PMDD, perimenstrual, uh, perimenstrual syndrome and perimenstrual dysphoric uh, disorder. Uh, PMS is milder, PMDD is more major, mm-hmm. uh, uh, essentially. Uh, so, uh, but yes, we, it may be hormone-related. Uh, more interstitial cystitis, more bladder issues right. uh, uh, can also be related to hormones. Um, so... Uh, and sleep disturbances certainly with uh, with hormonal changes, uh, with hormonal swings that are natural part of the cycle every month. Right. Uh, so we don't fully understand why. Um, and I'd have to see if, if postmenopausal women, uh, if you had it premenopausal, if once you once you go through the change, if uh, if your fibromyalgia gets improves, mm. I'm not so sure it does. I've yeah. not se- I've not seen it in my practice. Right. And certainly my mom, who was most po- postmenopausal uh, at the end of her life, was had severe so fibromyalgia and yeah. she still had it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So uh, let's talk causes. So um, you know n- we can't pinpoint a specific cause for every person, but it seems sometimes that physical or medical events or psychological events mm-hmm. and stress can can trigger right. fibromyalgia. Can you talk more about that? 
So for, for whatever reason, and uh, um, we, we see problems with everything from migraines to muscle tension, headaches triggered by trauma, physical and emotional trauma. Uh, we see, uh, we see uh, um, uh, depression auto, and autoimmune diseases triggered by trauma, phys- uh, post, post-viral, post-emotional, uh, post post-physical trauma. So there may be a, a significant, and, and, and even worse things, people who have inflammatory bowel diseases like Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, if they are, if they have stress for a test, if they're a youngster, both men and women, uh, they'll have flare of their inflammatory bowel disease. Mm. Um, it's not because they missed their medicines or anything else or changed their diet. So the stress turns out is probably a humongous, humongous, really big cause for a bunch of problems that are related to everything from mood to sleep to autoimmune to heart disease um, and uh, certainly uh, even blood sugar control. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, so th- there we there's probably a, a large component that we're going to discover now that we have the human genome uh, uh, ferreted out and we're talking about proteomics uh, that we're going to be able to ferret out uh, uh, more uh, what, 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 what the biochemical changes are uh, with, with understanding more of some of the uh, connectome, our brain connections, uh, we're going to f- start f- uh, ferreting out these things. So I'm very excited. It's, these are terrible diseases to have. None of these are, uh, none of the fibromyalgia is, is, is life-threatening, right. but boy, it's kind of life-ruining. Yeah. And, but, but it's going to be very, very, sure. very interesting to see what happens in the next five, 10 years. Um, and uh, we'll talk about some of the treatments and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it seems like traumas, it doesn't have to be, it seems like traumas is one of the issues. Um, we, we see we see the same thing uh, with um, autoimmune diseases. Uh, we'll see that people will have a very difficult time at work or whatever else like that. They've done it a dozen times, hundreds of times. All of a sudden, one time, uh, they'll, they'll just kind of feel beat down. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, they'll get more colds, more respiratory infections, and their belly hurts, and all of a sudden, they'll ha- start having inflammatory bowel uh, uh, stuff that we later diagnose. Their fibromyalgia kicks in. Certainly, my fibromyalgia kicked in a few years ago whenever I was going through a tough period, but I've done thousands of tough periods throughout my life. Sure. So I don't know why. Uh, it happened then, but the epigenetics, I had the genes or the genetics, uh, but the epigenetics may have kicked in or penetrance is what, uh, yeah, so it expressed itself, the gene, the genetics, and we still don't understand the genetics either. Yeah, that's interesting. So can, um, can, can illness or injury mm-hmm. be a, a trigger as well? So, so when you say stress, that's everything physical right. That's right. to emotional, right. psychological Infec- stress. Infection, okay. inflammatory, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, any of those things. yeah, absolutely. And off the, what's difficult is that that you, the people have had stress many, many times before and done fine, or you know, but they never had these these persistent pain mm-hmm. uh, syndrome, this persistent central sensitization, central nervous system sensitization for its pain. So it comes out of it feels like it comes out of the blue, and people don't know they misinterpret it. And this is another mm-hmm. thing we should talk about in another podcast. I find that people misinterpret whether it's depression or hunger or tiredness. Or, or, or fatigue, which means you start out fine in the morning, but you fatigue out more easily, uh, or uh, de- uh, uh, depression, uh, viral sim- uh, uh, syndromes. All these things tend to share a similar uh, physiologic uh, sensations, um, and people misinterpret it. If you yeah. tend to be depressed and you feel like, why am I so cranky? Why am I so? And then you, a few days later, you're having a sore throat and fever, and you like, and then that clears, and, and your depression seems to live. Well, it wasn't so much depression; it's that you were coming down with the virus, but you misinterpreted the, mm. the viral infection symptoms as 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 uh, as 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 depressive symptoms so uh we we, we I, what i find is that people don't have a don't understand their bodies very well and then something sneaks in like a viral infection or inf- uh, inflammation of their fibromyalgia mm-hmm. and they feel like crap and they, they come to see me we go hunting and it's we find that they were stressed and they had a flare of their fibromyalgia yeah. more than that they have a new cancer or anything else like that yeah that's interesting yeah i look forward to revisiting that because i know that being able to name and explain yes. um is you know provides a lot of of relief and empowerment Absolutely. and helps to um rule some things out so um i know let's talk about diagnosis now i know you mentioned before that it's got to be widespread pain for mm-hmm. a certain period of time to meet the diagnostic criteria right. what else is involved in diagnosis yeah so oftentimes this is constellation or syndrome so oftentimes uh, they'll uh they want to make sure there's nothing else going on you don't have rheumatoid arthritis or lupus mm-hmm. or anything it's pretty easy to eliminate you know there typically you'll get a comprehensive metabolic we'll be talking about this in another podcast we'll get a complete or comprehensive metabolic panel look at your blood sugar kidney liver uh uh, uh functions uh, they'll check 
check a CBC complete blood count to look at your white count, your red count, and your platelets. They'll check a sedimentation rate if it is so just a generic uh, inflammation marker. They may, may check a CRP or C-reactive protein, another inflammation marker. They'll check a rheumatoid uh, 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 rheumatoid antigen, uh, uh, rheumatoid factor, excuse me, uh, and uh, another factor called uh, cyclic citrullinated polypeptide. There you go, CCP. <laughs> uh, they'll check an ANA for lupus and other autoimmune mm-hmm. problems. And that's typically enough, plus your physical exam, plus your history, plus your physical exam, plus the test that I just listed. Yeah. Um, now, if anything more specific, if you're having belly pain and losing weight, they should do a, you know, a CAT scan or colonoscopy, yeah. so some other things if it's more directed. But, uh, but that's typically what you, uh, so you want to make sure there's nothing else going on that could potentially make you feel tired and achy, right. et cetera. So the other thing that goes with it oftentimes is sleep disturbances um, and, co- and, and this, this, this um, fibro fog, uh, yeah. this, this, this cognitive fogginess, slow, it feels like you're walking through mud and thinking through mud. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing. So those are the typically the big things. And then, like I said, there are other things that, are, that often are associated, not necessarily cause, uh, but associated uh, that include, um, you know, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, um, 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 pain, uh, pain with sex, uh, uh, depressive uh, symptoms. Um, um, uh, they, uh, they can have um, uh, headaches, both muscle tension and migraines. They can have uh, jaw pains, muscular, the, the masseter muscle, the big muscle, that, the big jowls uh, the st- uh, like that could be uh, tender. Um, so a bunch of those things are oftentimes just added to uh, irritable bowel, which is spastic colon nervous stomach. So, okay. the, so those are just additive too, just to kind of uh, help with the with the diagnosis. But yeah, they they softened up. The, it used to be very specific how many tender points until yeah. a few years ago, and then they redid the uh, the criteria. Yeah. Uh, so this is one of those diagnoses that is that is arrived at by through a process of elimination, right? right. We're looking yes. for all the things that's not. Right. Before we're you know, honing right. in on what we think it is. We want to make sure that, that, that we have certain positives, and then we want to make sure there's nothing else that sh- should be treated, yeah. like, like a rheumatoid arthritis or like a like a high blood sugar that's made you cra- feel crappy for too long or your alcohol drinking or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. okay, that makes yeah. sense. Okay, so um, you know, now that we kind of understand all those basics, what it is, why it starts, how it's diagnosed, let's talk about treatments. Now, mm-hmm. there's medication and non-medication therapies. Mm-hmm. Do you start with some drug therapies for us? Yeah. The the big ones that, well, traditionally, the old days, and this is not FDA approved, but the old days, we used to use tricyclic antidepressants. Um, and one of them happens to be a muscle relaxer called Flexeril or cyclo, uh, cyclobenzaprine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tricyclics, these are old-fashioned Elevil and nortriptyline and uh, dezipramine and imipramine. Um, uh, so those are old-fashioned antidepressants. Okay. Even if you're not depressed, and oftentimes these people are depressed uh, for a variety of reasons because of chronic pain sure. or the depression anteceded the pain which it does it did in my family so the, the depression and other stuff was well before the, the the fibromyalgia ever kicked in so these people so it turns that the antidepressants like those can help um, uh, with the, with the sleep because they tend to be drowsy several of them tend to be drowsy producing can help with the sleep and can help with the pain mm-hmm. and it seems to be the norepinephrine part uh, that seems to be you've heard about serotonin norepinephrine right. and, and dopamine and glutamate uh, so it seems to be the norepinephrine. Why? Because the next, the, the ones that are FDA approved for fibromyalgia include Cymbalta, uh, which is an uh, antidepressant that has uh, is SNRA, serotonin, and, uh-huh. and norepinephrine, yeah. reuptake inhibitor. So the norepinephrine piece seems to help. So uh, Cymbalta. The other one is called Lyrica, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> Uh, which is uh, made actually from uh, from uh, it's made from actually gabapentin. Yeah. Gabapentin is an anti seizure medicine, um, and uh, and uh, can be used for for neuropathic pain and a bunch of other things. But it turns out that Lyrica was I think the very first thing that was approved for fibromyalgia pain by the FDA specifically for fibromyalgia. Yeah, I think that's what I was reading as well. Yeah, and then something called Savella, and I can never pronounce it generic, but Savella is another one that's specifically for fibromyalgia and stuff okay. like that. So the so those are the three big ones that uh, that uh, Eventually, if people are, have treatment-resistant, very difficult times, and we'll talk about the non-pill, non-drug therapies. Sure. Uh, but but uh, so yeah, oftentimes they'll end up either on tricyclic, which is not FDA approved, but very common, uh, or uh, or uh, Cymbalta or Lyrica or Savella. So something I he- specifically did not hear you ma- you mention was opioids oh, yes. or narcotics. Right. Um, why why are those things not effective on fibromyalgia pain? Um, well, so the, 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 I'll jump back. Non-steroidals, even though they're not recommended and people say they don't help, I find that sometimes they do help. So non-steroidals, the problem with non-steroidals, and this is the problem with anybody who prescribes, whether primary care or rheumatologist or orthopedist, uh, is that eventually 
uh, even if they have um, uh, uh, FDA approval for for less GI upset, less uh, GI bleeds, Mm -hmm. is that whenever you put people on for months because it's a chronic condition, it's not a few weeks, so you're on it for months to years, Eventually, these people end up having problems with the nonsteroidals. They'll either uh, it may increase some, some nonsteroidals have been associated with heart disease. They've been associated with GI bleeds. They've been associated with elevated blood pressure, a kidney failure, and retention of fluid. Uh, so there's a mm-hmm. there's a re- bunch of reasons that nonsteroidals, even as simple as Motrin, Advil, yeah. uh, ibuprofen, over the counter. Um, uh, are, can can potentially get us into trouble, but it can be they can be helpful, uh, even though the uh, the rheumatologic association says. What, not, what about not analgesics like acetaminophen, Tylenol? Tylenol, yes. And so some people, I'm not as big of a fan. I have no problems people trying it. No more than a thousand milligrams three times a day. Uh-huh. So that should be the a max dose. Um, uh, no alcohol, please, uh, because uh, the problem with the Tylenol plus alcohol uh, both attack uh, can ca- cause severe liver problems. Liver. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Okay. So, mm-hmm. so over the counter analgesics and anti inflammatories you, you can try but i'm not I, i'm yeah, yeah i'm I, it should be for the short term uh, i'm not a big fan of it for the long term mm-hmm. yeah absolutely the long term stuff is the one the three F, fda approved yeah. products mm-hmm. so in if in a in a very severe case still no opioids or narcotics yeah right? we didn't even talk about opioids yeah. yeah opioids the big the big problem with opioids as we all know and opioids can help with broken bones they can help with 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 post op pain mm-hmm. they can help uh, with with with, with select things yeah mm-hmm. cancer pain that's correct good um, but but yeah this is not and this is the problem we run into yeah, opioids may be used for days maybe weeks at a time in the those more acute cases, mm-hmm. but the problem is, is we're dealing with a chronic problem. Number one, number two, opioids typically are not thought of for nerve or, or whether it's peripheral nerve or central sensitization syndromes. Opioids are probably tend not to help. Mm. Now, people say, well, it helps because they feel a little more relaxed, more sleepy, more tired. Uh, but but the mechanism of action should really not help nerve pain and uh, uh, central n- nervous system pain, type of pains. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So. Um, is fibromyalgia a chronic neuropathic pain? Yeah, that's a good question. I tend to call it a central sensitization, so I don't I don't think of it as a neuropathic pain. All pain eventually can you, can has to go through. Can you maybe explain right. the difference there for us? Right. So, uh, yeah, all pain, everything eventually has to go in the nervous system for us to our brain to interpret it, whether it's mm-hmm. a sight or smell or touch, uh, everything eventually. So what we're talking about is disease of the pathways to the brain. Uh, so neur- neur- neuropathy, pathy being pathology mm. or uh, disease or sickness, and neuro being the the, the, the nervous the nervous system. The nervous system, the you know, uh, for your longest nerve in your body is from your low back to your big toe, about uh, you know about four feet long or so, uh, or three or three three feet long is a continuous nerve uh, f- uh, with the the cell body in your low back. Um, and so it's it, that one, for instance, whenever we have uh, alcohol or B12. Uh, or some other autoimmune problems, some of the, we tend to feel it in our feet. This is peripheral neuropathy. We'll tend to feel it in our feet first because of that long that long nerve is susceptible to to being attacked by high sugars and B12 deficiency in alcohol. Okay. Uh, but but when we think about uh, you know headaches, they're 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 part uh, migraines specifically, not all headaches, but migraines. We don't think of it as a neuropathic pain, but it is in the brain. It starts as part of the brain. It starts in the cranial nerve. Uh, it comes out in the cranial nerve and, and, and stuff like that. So I differentiate. Those some docs may call it neuropathic, but I tend to differentiate it uh, as as uh, as not uh, not uh, more central sensitization of the nervous system uh, because we technically don't have pathology of the actual nerve. Uh, you know, whenever we biopsy uh, 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 um, um, small fiber neuropathy in the feet, we can see under the microscope and with other staining that there's disease of that nerve. Mm. Um, but whenever, but we can't see the even we can't see uh, anything wrong with the nerves, the peripheral nerves with fibromyalgia. Uh, I'd have to see if they've looked at the spinal cord specifically in these patients, like post-mortem. You can't, yeah. you can't biopsy it during their life and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, but fMRI, functional MRI of the brain in people with chronic pain, including fibromyalgia, has, is abnormal. So there's mm-hmm. no doubt. Uh, SPECT scans, uh, nuclear scans of the brain, uh, blood flow, and, and, and functional MRI can show uh, uh, changes, uh, not necessarily specific to fibromyalgia, but chronic pain patients. Right. Uh, uh, they can see some stuff there that's not commonly used for, to diagnose people. Sure. Um, is, 
is it possible that, you know, ketamine or any of these other psychedelics sure. or some of these newer treatments that are coming out could have an effect for fibromyalgia? Are we just not sure? That's right. It, it, we think it does. We think for, it may be causing some of the remodeling, uh, some of the neuroplasticity that we may, or that we may see mm-hmm. uh, because ketamine works um, in the brain uh, and the glutamate uh, uh, receptors. Um, um, so we think that the ketamine can help. The problem is, is the chronicity, the chronic problem versus ketamine tends to be more short-acting, mm-hmm. short-lived. Mm-hmm. So it's always a tricky problem to match these, uh, the, the, the treatment uh, with, with, with the, the disease process. But people can feel better. Certainly whenever you improve anything, and that's the other things we'll right. talk about, if you improve the depression, if people their sleep, improve all sorts of stuff, then the fibromyalgia tends to get better. It may not be yeah. cured and sure. stuff like that. So ketamine can help people's depression, anxiety, uh, other things. So we may be. I'm not sure if you just had pure fibromyalgia. I'm not sure if there's anybody that has just pure fibromyalgia, if ketamine would be just good for that and if they had nothing else to treat that ketamine could treat. Ketamine, once again, would be off-label use for for any of these conditions, fibromyalgia or depression. Yeah, Of course. I think that's a good segue into our non-medication therapies. Mm. Your point there that, you know, relieving a lot of these things, anxiety, sleep disturbances, depression, can have a a positive impact on pain syndromes in general. So. Um, let's let's talk about some of these non-medication therapies. So I know that um, obviously uh, uh, massage, acupuncture, chiropractic, Bingo. we think those have some value. Potentially, yes. Yeah. Some people yeah. just hurts to touch their skin. Sure. Uh, some allodynia, some some hypersensitivity of stuff that's not painful. If somebody touches your skin lightly to massage, it's not typically painful for the rest mm-hmm. of us. Uh, but for these patients, even putting a blood pressure cuff on and squeezing it right. is enough to, to make them cry, cry out. Yeah. Know? So it depends on what level. But yes, that's absolutely right. Acupuncture, it's not been studied. They don't have, we don't have as much data. But, mm-hmm. but the quick answer, certainly there's no negative side effects whenever you have acupuncture or, or massage and stuff like that. Yeah. Gotcha. So uh, another big one is uh, cognitive behavioral therapy yes. and mindfulness. Can yes. you talk about those techniques? Yeah, yoga, uh, everything from yoga to... Uh, so this uh, everything, this is because a lot of these people are dep- have depression. A lot of these people have sleep disturbances. So And a lot of these people have had to alter their life, their relationships, mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. work, uh, their responsibilities. Mm-hmm. So CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, to help you deal with uh, your life changes, both chronic pain uh, or and your all the all the fallout from the chronic pain. Yeah. yeah, it alters your. You know, these people tend not. It hurts to exercise. It hurts whenever the freaking weather changes. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's it, the old fashioned rheumatism. You know, the, you know, when mm-hmm. grandma wakes up in the morning, yes. they can feel oh, the, rain, the rain. The rain. The, <laughs> yes. the rain is coming. Well, the, certainly people with with old arth- osteoarthritis of the knees and people with rheumatoid arthritis will mm-hmm. feel sometimes the barometric, the electrical changes in the atmosphere, the barometric called pressure, but sometimes it's electrical changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, migraines can sometimes with, with weather changes uh, electric uh, it's not so much barometric but electrical changes in the atmosphere but these patients <clears throat> Uh, so a lot of people, quote unquote, uh, you know, their uh, their conditions act up. Um, um, uh, so, but this is certainly one of them. Um, and just plain weather changes uh, is uh, is enough. And so the poor, these poor people, unfortunately, wake up and it's uh, it's going to be damp. Uh, they hurt. And if they try to exercise, it hurts. And if they if they try to just do their activities of daily living, it hurts. And they have to go rest a lot. They have to mm-hmm. you know go take a nap and sometimes rest. And so it's very frustrating. Uh, so gentle exercises, the traditional teachings is warm water. The idea, you don't want to be pumping iron. You don't want to be cold. Warm water exercises. Uh, so warm pool, good luck finding a warm pool. Uh, <laughs> but uh, warm water exercises uh, tends to, to, to initiate and eventually uh, gradually uh, with the help of a trainer, a physical therapist, other mm-hmm. people who work your way up. Because a lot of these people become deconditioned because yeah. just, it hurts to move. Right, right. So let I, I want to say just a little bit more about CBT and mindfulness. Um, one of the, I mean, obviously we know this from, you know, our experience with, with mental health and how this works for patients with yes. depression and anxiety and other conditions. But I can imagine that, um, you know, a big part of CBT is 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 language, right? Is being mm-hmm. able to describe what mm-hmm. the trigger is, yes. describe the feeling and the emotion that you're experiencing. Yes. Um, and you know, having that language and being able to say and name what it is helps to kind of put the right. put the problem in its perspective and right. in a box. Right. Um, and then once we can name and explain what the issue is, then we can come up with coping mechanisms that help to deal with it. Yes. Um, and then additionally with mindfulness, you know, kind of uh, that's that's about like kind of being able to drop into your body and stay in the moment, and be aware of what you're experiencing in that physical moment. Again, if you 
you were talking about this before that just that general feeling of malaise where everything's mm-hmm. bad, everything hurts that can kind of balloon into this all encompassing thing that kind of controls and colors your whole experience. Everything, everything's how you gray. Think about right. yourself, how you feel on a day to day basis. That's right. Um, and so kind of, you know, building up some of these skills with CBT and, and mindfulness can help to, um, at least help the patient feel more empowered that yes. they have some control mm-hmm. over how this works in their life. So. Well, it's important to, for them to recognize that when they had bad low back and had depression, that was one thing. But somehow they think their life has gotten worse, and it's not necessarily because of depression and bad low back, but because they added fibromyalgia. Mm. They slipped in uh, under a cover of night type stuff. And, mm-hmm. and and it takes a while because because uh, because physicians, nurse practitioners, PAs, whenever people say they, they, they feel shittier, you'll ask, well, well, how, what, in what way? I don't know. I just can't yes. sleep in this. And so yeah, they'll yeah. treat those sleeping, they'll treat this. Right. But they won't kind of figure out that this is fibromyalgia that's attached to all these new changes mm-hmm. that the person says is, is just feels crappy. Yeah. And and uh, and which in which case, yeah, accidentally, oftentimes you're treating them with antidepressants anyway. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the, the SNRIs or the tricyclics, but you're trying with the, with the SSRIs, which can help a little bit. But it's not as good as the SNRIs, uh, the flexorils, the muscle relaxers, part of the tricyclic family. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lyricas and the and the and the uh, Savellas, um, etc. Yeah, it's interesting that some of this cognitive training can actually help you, uh, or it seems like it could actually help your physicians and your caregivers That's treat right. you more accurately if you can really if you're very express. in touch with how you feel and can right. express how you feel. Right in specific ways. Yeah, we just this morning, it was not fibromyalgia, but this morning I was talking to a patient who's severely depressed and anxious about, you know, whenever he says, I feel like crap, for to, for him to, to journal it yeah. so that he, like you said, he, that he uses his words. And because whenever he, you read your own journal, you read your own stuff, it mm-hmm. comes back to you. Nobody's telling you, like right. six months ago you said this, it doesn't sound right. But whenever you read it, and you're like, ah, oh, this is how I was feeling six yeah. months ago, and I'm back feeling that way again. What right. happened? So, uh, but, so, yeah, using words, and that's... Uh, we see this in a lot of people, a lot of depressed people, but even men in general with anger issues, all sorts of stuff. Mm. They just don't know how they, they can't use their words, yes. yeah. uh, even if, though they're quite intelligent and, uh, et cetera. Yeah. Their ability to put it into words, which kind of, like you said, kind of puts a fence around it. So it's right. not this all encompassing fog of crappiness yeah. in your life. Exactly. Yeah. It kind of takes it from a, a visceral, uncontrollable reaction right. to something that can be explained right. and therefore coped with. Right. Um, Okay, great. I love it. So let's talk a little bit more about um, about exercise and then and then self care. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I think with this talk about exercise might be a good time to bring up that connection to chronic fatigue syndrome and how right. this like you know building of your capacity mm-hmm. to you know withstand fatigue or mm-hmm. periods of pain helps mm-hmm. your your uh, recovery period to not be so long mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's something that we can do through exercise for fibromyalgia and, and for chronic fatigue so can you talk a little bit more about that yeah chronic fatigue came out many years ago as, as just a cfs chronic fatigue mm-hmm. syndrome it's been renamed uh it's been renamed as uh, myalgic encephalomyelitis which is a horrendous uh term but it's yeah. more just more, dis- more descriptive <laughs> but it's the same thing as cfs mm-hmm. so it's uh it's uh called me or uh, myalgic encephalomyelitis cephalomyelitis hmm. uh, but it, many years ago we, we we thought that this that these people who uh, who were just chronically pooped uh, they, they just you know they didn't they didn't know why they you know oftentimes they were depressed and, and sometimes they had aches and pains and uh, and we just called it that you were depressed and we put them into depression some of them got actually better uh, but then we made a correlation with with uh, CMV uh, uh, which is uh, not CMV EBV Epstein-Barr virus so uh, that these people post viral infection just would would have you know the stuff that knocks you out of high school or you know kissing disease the mononucleosis yeah. Epstein Barr virus is a mono mono um, so some of these people would have bad cases of it doesn't always where you'd have to miss school or miss college for a semester or whatever because they're so fatigued um, and so that was the other correlation um, uh, but eventually uh, there's probably a bunch of causes including the association with 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 um, uh, with uh, with uh, uh, fibromyalgia syndrome, so that we think that it may call co- it may be the same it may be the same disease but just different manifestations. Mm-hmm. It may be the same central nervous system hypersensitization uh, and uh, or, or, or yes uh, uh, central sensitization of pain, central nervous system sensitization to pain, and and fatigue is is part of that continuum of pain and fatigue mm-hmm. and sleep disturbances and right. stuff like that. So it may be the same condition. 
uh, but just kind of shows from just the your, your different part of the elephant. Somebody's feeling the trunk. It says this is the elephant. The other person's feeling the tail. It says this is the elephant. Mm. Both of them are uh, both the same elephant, yeah, same disease, but you just different perspective, different yeah, perspective of the same condition. Yeah. Um, so and there's a very interesting um, uh, uh, correlation with uh, something that we've talked about briefly in the past um, uh, called uh, MCAS, uh, mast cell activation. Cell. Yeah, mast cell yeah. activation syndrome. So this is part of the inflammatory. You know, once again, this is part of autoimmune uh, well it's, it's a part of the immune uh and infection control uh, white cells they call mast m-a-s-t cells and there may be uh, a correlation with that why why because it turns out if you uh, some people we can use low dose naltrexone ldn naltrexone is a stuff that reverses that blocks narcotic overdose that we give people uh, but it turns naloxone. out if you yeah yeah, uh, yeah. so there's yeah naloxone naloxone narcan and naltrexone whatever vivitrol yeah. uh, but uh, but narcan thank you uh, but at low doses instead of 50 milligrams like narcan pills uh, 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 you can uh, uh, you can use like two or three or four milligrams, so mm. kind of specially formulated at low doses that you could help people potentially with, with, with MCAS and with chronic fatigue and with fibromyalgia. So this is so that one treatment may cover several conditions. Yeah, so there's some very cool uh, stuff uh, out there about that. Once again, these patients end up with a lot of Comp- uh, complementary alternative medicine, whatever you want to call it, integrative uh, medicine, mm. because they've been, they, they feel like crap. They're, they're losing time, energy, they're t- losing time, money. Um, and, and so the physicians don't know what else to do with them because, of course, all the tests are negative or normal yeah. or we don't have a way to test for all this stuff. So they end up, uh, you know, re- on the Internet, anything with chronic conditions, whether it's multiple sclerosis or chronic fatigue or whatever, uh, they, they end up on the Internet looking for people that will listen to them or give them vitamins, something that will make it help because they're pretty desperate. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, a lot of this comes back to the, you know, some of this, this self-care and lifestyle factors. I think it's interesting that, you know, for, like we're saying for fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue, you know, to avoid that breakdown of the body Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. you know, you can, if you're in pain all the time or if you're tired all the time, your tendency is to just want to rest and Mm -hmm. limit your activity in every way, Mm -hmm. which causes even more fatigue. It kind of, it kind of piles on. So the... Exercise is not necessarily to help the pain go away as just like it's not to help the fatigue go away, but it's to help to kind of keep it at a baseline manageable amount to where your body can actually recover a little bit. That's right. Uh, it, some of these patients with fibromyalgia without without chronic fatigue have a hard time climbing the stairs because yeah. they feel exhausted. And right. this, by the way, this is the same thing whenever people have mono mm-hmm. or whenever they have the flu. If they're otherwise healthy and get mononucleosis, Epstein-Barr virus or influenza, they're climbing the stairs feel like they they have a heart condition yeah, absolutely. and and you know and a couple of weeks later they're fine but it feels like you you have lung heart problems literally you feel like I, I there's must be something wrong with me mm-hmm. uh, because they just they're all over tired it's not just their breathing but they're all over exhausted and so same thing with these these fibromyalgia patients so we ha- we do have to check and especially with women we do have to check that the fatigue going up the stairs and stuff like that is not a heart condition because sure. they have silent ischemia silent cardiac problems mm-hmm. so we got to be careful that we just don't brush everything under the same carpet uh but but once again it racks up a bill but you have to do these things to check them off to make sure that now we can focus yeah. on, the, on the on the fatigue and the fibromyalgia uh piece of it yeah absolutely so let's finish up with self-care i know that um you know things like so for fibromyalgia patients specifically sleep hygiene so coming up with a really good sleep schedule right. um you know doing uh making sure there's no sleep apnea or anything that's interrupting yes, the sleep as people, well too right they end up with a with a sleep study doctor that's correct that's a yeah. big deal uh, by the way children you can imagine if it's adults who have a hard time understanding this you can imagine if a youngster yeah. has this type of these 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 stuff that i just listed this uh, uh you know and they can't make it to school and they can't do do sports you know people think that they're lazy they're goofing sure. off or they're you know being oppositional but yeah this is uh and unfortunately there's no test to prove whether they're faking or not yeah. so this is a this is a difficult diagnosis to make and, and adults let alone youngsters yeah absolutely so you know sleep hygiene making time for rest and relaxation during mm-hmm. the day so that you can minimize physical and psychological stress right, so stress right. can be a trigger for onset it can be a trigger for worsening, worsening. that's right exacerbations yeah right. okay well um 
how have you seen this play out in your patients? Have you seen fibromyalgia come in in your patients? Oh yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, one of my, like I said, my mother, I have it, uh, um, and one of my patients. Yeah, she came to me in the very first session. I said, "You have fibromyalgia." And I put her on cyclobenzaprine or, or, or some Balta, and it literally the next visit's like, "Oh my God, this is the best I've ever f- I've felt in years." Wow. So it's sometimes it's that dramatic. Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, it's not cured, um, and uh, she needed to do a bunch of other non-pill things. Uh, to help herself out, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, you can like anything in life. If you if people to name it, like to mm-hmm. listen, number one to be heard and not mm-hmm. to be poo pooed, you know, uh, brushed off. Number one to be listened. Number two to get an accurate diagnosis. Uh, number three, uh, number three to to talk about everything from the psychosocial to to the financial to the to the medication to non medication to family. You know, this is always the issue with any chronic condition. It doesn't matter if it's this or depression or alcoholism is that, that it involves other people in their life. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, it, you know, if anyone's listening to this and they think that maybe this might fit the bill for them, where would you suggest they start? Yeah, it's always always with your primary care doctor. You can keep a little log about kind of how you feel for a week or two um, and things that you remember that may exacerbate it. Um, and uh, see your primary care physician. Let them know if you have a family history. Um, um, and make sure that the primary care doc or, or nurse practitioner, or physician's assistant, you know, is able to make sure the physical exam. Make sure blood work is mm-hmm. basic blood work. It doesn't have to be very fancy. Basic blood work one time around of basic blood work. Um, certainly, if there's red flags, you know, you're having fevers or chills or abnormal weight loss or loss of appetite or other things, you know, you have to make sure that that's not just fibromyalgia by itself. Obviously, there's something else going on. Um, and then, and then all the stuff that we talked about, both the non-pill therapy, lifestyle uh, uh, treatments, um, and and then medications, um, and uh, and being able to communicate with your doc. Sometimes these patients end up at, uh, depending on what, uh, you know, they end up at the urologist if it's a bladder issue, the gynecologist if it's a menstrual uh, issue, uh, the rheumatologist if, if, if it's just they think that it's, it affects affects their mobility, mm-hmm. uh, uh, orthopedist, if, you know, et cetera, a sleep uh, doctor and psychiatrist. So a bunch of different people can touch one person depending on how the person uh, uh, presents or what, what the patient complains about. Mm-hmm. Uh, complaint is, is a positive term here. So yeah, tech, sure, sure, so sure. Complains of is a, te- is a technical term for yeah. Uh, they're not they're not moaning they're just uh, telling us a- anyway uh, so but primary care doctor is typically the first uh, first thing and you want to you know and you could collect the data for them you say hey I've been on antidepressants I came off of it I'm going through a rough time and I had poor sleep and I'm worried mm. about this and my mom has fibromyalgia you could help piece it together for the for the practitioner yeah absolutely we always want to leave people feeling you know hopeful like mm-hmm. they have a sense of agency that 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 you know there's something yes. to be done about this fibromyalgia is another Chronic condition that's very common. A lot of people deal with chronic pain in general. Yes. Um, and there are certainly lots of resources out there and a lot of awareness in the medical field of, of, of these kinds of issues. That's right. Well. In, the so, o- in the old days, we used to think that it was, uh, quote, unquote, in your head. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a real, it's a, yeah, this, uh, like I said, it's an association with so many other things that are difficult to diagnose and treat um, uh, is, and it's very real. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, thanks so much for doing what, no, this thanks. one with us today, bringing the topic to the table, Dr. Todd. Thanks for, for mo- modulating me and my, <laughs> for moderating, for moderating. <laughs> um, as always, if you would like to get involved with the pod, you can send us an email at notyourdocpod at gmail.com. Um, our website is forthcoming. That's going to be notyourdoc.com. Seth has been hard at work on that for us. It's going to be... Um, a central location for Dr. Tadros's blog, as well as our podcast. You'll be able to listen to all the episodes there and get links. Um, same that you would, you know, on, on YouTube or if you follow us on Facebook. So lots of exciting stuff going on. Um, thanks so much, guys. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Right, bye-bye. This previous podcast represents my opinions and the opinions of my guests. This is not medical advice, and I'm not establishing a physician-patient relationship with any listener. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each patient is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions that you may have.